Ben here with a quick disclaimer. My audio in this episode is a little bit shitty, so we apologize for that. But otherwise, enjoy. Welcome to Bitstop, a comedy game design podcast by two guys who know nothing about comedy, nor game design. I'm Ben Slinger, and with me, as always, is Trevor Scott. Hello. Hello. And I think we are going to jump directly in this fine evening to some click picture. Trevor? Yes. Would you like to explain to our listening audience what click picture is? On the counter, three, two, one, enter. Ben is going to enter a random image into Discord. We will explain the picture to the listening audience. Oh, I see Ben is typing, so it's already ready to go. We will explain the picture to, to the audience, and then we will make a game design on that picture. That's what we do. Yeah. So here we go. Three, two, one, enter. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we have what looks to be an elderly Asian man. Mm-hmm. Who also happens to be an egg in a carton. It's an egg in, in, a, in an egg cup. Yes. In an egg carton. Yes. Uh, I mean, this this goes straight into our, our kind of go-to thing of anthropomorphic creatures and food. Yeah, well, food especially. That's true. We haven't... <laughs> We haven't explored the dairy side of the Star Wars universe if we really want to talk about anthropomorphic food. Well, given that eggs come from animals, it kind of must be early on in the um in the Star Wars universe because we've never talked about animals in the Star Wars universe because I think they're all dead. Yeah. Um, but what came to mind straight away was yep. Humpty Dumpty. Okay. So, I can sort of see this wise wise Humpty Dumpty. Maybe this is, you know, quite quite an an old egg. Maybe a centuries old egg. Ew. You know that that's a delicacy in in some cultures. Um, But he's training a younger, um, a younger egg in the- in the act of war, art of war, or whatever it is. Okay. Well, uh, I do like this idea of exploring Humpty Dumpty and exactly why he's sitting on that wall. Yeah. Is he a lookout? Is that it? Is it like was know, he just resting? Was Humpty Dumpty just resting, and then the thunderous, the thunderous noise of, of the of the horses coming along the behind him? The king's men and the king's horses startled him and he fell off and you know cracked himself well i mean is this is this the egg society against the king like were they holding out against the king and hence all the king's horses and all the king's men they didn't want to put him back together he was the enemy (laughs) and the wall that humpty dumpty was sitting on was the wall they were building to keep out those very king's men and king's horses Okay, so is this now we've got Humpty Dumpty's like granddaughter who's wanting to um to like rise up and lead a revolution against the king? Uh yeah, yes. Yes, it is. Where do these 
where do these eggs come from, though? Is my oh, I was going to get there. I was going to get there. From a gameplay perspective, I'm almost seeing this as like an RTS. Yes. Which we don't do very much of. No, because I don't like uh, them. Yeah, but they're a valid gameplay <laughs> format <laughs> that should be discussed. Yes, they should be discussed and then discarded. <laughs> well, that's fine, because that's what we'll do at the end. <laughs> Mostly because I just, I kind of like the idea of, and look, it doesn't have to be like full-on StarCraft-esque, like clicks per second RPS. It could be a bit more of a kind of empire building, maybe a bit more of like a settlers, but with some combat and stuff. I just really like the idea of building walls and putting eggs up onto them and then watching them all like fall and crack during combat. <laughs> They're very passive um, sort of side, but they're, they're, they're just to show the atrocities of the king. Well, I'm, I'm picturing full on you've got like one, you, you're playing the, you, the egg society the and you're building the walls up and having to like find resources and, and man those or egg those walls. Oh, God. <laughs> man, the, man those walls with eggs. Yeah, like uh, when you said arches and egg when friggin- you just said egg those walls i just pictured <laughs> eggs lining up against the catapult just waiting to get in and launch themselves off at the castle yeah well i mean you might have some suicide eggs uh it's possible <laughs> okay so what are the eggs up against what is the king what is the king yes. okay good question what is, is the arch enemy of Is eggs? this a case of Is this a case of like whatever created the eggs like they're rebelling against their almost their parent as such where Well, I mean, let's just say chickens, right? Mm-hmm. Most people think of chickens when they think of eggs. Yes. So these are these eggs who decided Oh, that weren't fertilized and they were discarded, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, you could have an interesting thing around. (laughs) I'm just picturing what happens when an egg in this society ends up that they're fertilized and a fucking chicken starts breaking out of them. Oh, it's it's, (laughs) like an alien bursting out. Yeah, it's it's literally that they're, um, you know, they're a spy in the midst. Yeah. And then, you know, they just. They start shaking a little bit, and they just explode in the middle of, of like... <laughs> this is the little chick. <laughs> of this cafe. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I love that. I love that. <laughs> oh, God. It's All so right, dark. I'm, I'm, liking, I'm liking the world we're building, the eggs versus the chickens. I feel like... I feel like the, egg, the eggs have to have, like, enslaved some chickens... And they just got them laying to like create to, to like bulk up their armies. You know, there's no chance of them being fertilized. It's all because hands. They, they literally just kill the roosters the second that they they hatch. They they can just tell. Well, this is the thing. They don't get fertilized. In the fer- they only ever took hands. No, but they, what we're talking about is like there's some suicide bombers who who got captured and were broke. You know, released in captivity, sort of thing. And that's how they got the hens. Oh, I see. Okay. Right, right, right. From the other side. Yes. So you're saying, okay. Right. <laughs> so it's, are we saying that when the chicken side 
has an egg that has been... They know that it's been fertilized, and so that egg is on their team, their side. Yeah. Or it's just all their... They just take all their eggs. Like, all their eggs are on their side, because they're their children, and they indoctrinate them into their ways. Yeah. And it's just... There's this, like, rebel group of eggs who... Either they have a fr- some friendly hens, or they've enslaved some hens. <laughs> Where they know they're not going to get fertilized. Like, there's no chance of breeding of more hen- more chickens here. Yep. Oh, I'm, I'm just picturing that, you know, you're, you're playing on the, um, you're playing on the egg side. But then after, after a while, you actually start seeing some of the, some of the atrocious living conditions of these hens and that sort of stuff. And you start wondering whether the team that you're playing for is actually, you know, in the right or whether really <laughs> they started this whole thing. All right. I feel like we've moved away from the RTS idea. Oh, no, we can- I, I was thinking this is sort of like, if you remember Warcraft 3, there was, like, stuff at the end- Okay, it's sort of a bit more- it's a na- almost a narrative- yeah, there's, like, the narrative RPG sort of stuff, and you maybe have some key characters who you play throughout. Yeah, sort of like the- I, I did like that in, in Warcraft 3, where they changed it and added some heroes in that you were still playing the, the typical Warcraft sort of yep. game- but you were also, you know, controlling a, a single hero that, that could sort of have special special techniques and that sort of stuff. And I think yeah, I can get, in the narrative I can get bits that. in between, that's when you start seeing, you know, oh, th- this team had to had to take shelter in, in this old abandoned warehouse. And that's where they found, like, the caged hens. And, and the, there's literally <laughs> yeah. cages everywhere. And it's like... So, you start making it an allegory for, like, egg production in... Yeah. Battery farms yeah. and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Free range. Um, <laughs> but you'll never take our free range. What what I'm what I'm picturing that happens in the end is some of the big generals, you know, start sending some of the um some of the new eggs as soon as they're laid straight into boiling water, turning them into hard boils. So they didn't even have chance to live, and they just launch them at the um. Oh my god! <laughs> They're just sacrificing their children to be projectiles. Yeah, that's that's how evil that it, that things have gotten. That's pretty rough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Look, as dark as it is, I just think it's funny having a battlefield covered in like broken, cracked eggs. Oh, and um, like you know. Oh my god! The, the white's forms. coming out, and the, and then you know they get hit a couple more times, and yolk yeah, starts spilling st- out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Tell you, like someone trying to hold the yolk in as they stumble across the battlefield because they're oh being shot through the guts. <laughs> <laughs> you you could have have like a, a big you know um, Saving Private Ryan scene at the start of, of like this battlefield just covered yeah. in yolk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yolk and chicken blood. Or- <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I God. guess that's the thing. Are they just are the chickens just sending the eggs to fight or are the chickens fighting themselves? Well, I'm thinking for the most part the chickens are fighting themselves. Every now and again they send a um they send a, you know, suicide suicide egg. Yeah. In. But basically the the general is knows pretty much all the suicide eggs that come through because he can just innately tell that they're not Made of just yolk. <laughs> well, they start. Maybe you start up. You get upgrades to like. Maybe you literally have to build, uh, like ultrasounds or X-ray, like section, like uh, 
Fuck, what do you call them? Um, checkpoints in your base. Uh, because I kind of like the idea... I, I actually like the idea of this be, being less of a traditional RTS with, um, like, like StarCraft and stuff, and more like a building game where, like, if you say, okay, I want to put a wall here, then all your little worker eggs, like, come out and have to bring stone or whatever and, like, build up the wall <laughs> and do-do-do-do-do-do, like, over time. It's not, like, an instant build kind of thing. It's more of a, a slower-paced, uh, uh, you know, build up this this you know have a bit of economy stuff within the base where you need to like gather your stone or different things and, and have your little workers and stuff going around and train up train up your uh your egg warriors is this because an- then it's gonna make it even more like when they fucking fire a hard-boiled you know sacrifice egg at your wall and it brings it down you're gonna be like fuck that's me just to build <laughs> and all your eggs that are on top of it come tumbling down and cracking uh, it's gonna, you know, you're gonna feel it. Okay, I think we should move on. <laughs> <laughs> you mean 15 minutes on at half, uh, half bake? Well, half bake doesn't work. Half boil, hard boil. I don't know. On a not great RTS about eggs is not enough. Okay, <laughs> fine. Well, we are going to move on to click pitch, and this is very similar to the last game, but instead of a random image, we have a random word generator in front of us, and on the count of three, two, one, click, we're each going to get a new word, and uh, we're going to jam those words together, turn them into a game design. Three, two, one, click. Icon. Cardboard. Cardboard icon. Hmm... You know that I I think cardboard icon, and I immediately think a blockbuster video in the nineteen nineties. Okay, and why is that? Uh, because I think the big cardboard cutouts, are, you know, displaying a movie, but it's like an Arnold Schwarzenegger or a, okay, or like a the Rambo icon sort of, of a yeah iconic kind of character. character. Yeah. Okay. On a cardboard end, and I'm sort of seeing, you know, this anthropomorphic world of blockbuster video a toy story-esque yeah situation where the cardboard cutouts come to life yeah um include uh, but only the cardboard cutouts or the um you know it's sort of almost maybe the posters are fine you know they they also come to life but they can't go anywhere the cardboard cutouts can actually walk around somewhat but well yeah um the the pictures on the DVDs are aren't like sentient. Aren't sentient as much. Okay. Okay. That's that's fine. I was kind of. It'd be interesting if I was kind of thinking maybe, but maybe, but maybe you solve this with the posters. But like, I was almost thinking the DVD or video. And let's go VHS, because if we're yeah. going blockbuster video, we'll go with VHS. Uh, they're, they're almost like the, the paintings in Harry Potter, yep. where they're the little sort of characters and they've each got their own personalities and they can, if they're next to each other, maybe they can like run into the next one. <laughs> um, whereas, yeah, the the cardboard cutouts are kind of the the actual things that get to move around the video store. And Yeah, yeah. I, I see them almost as um, they're the ones that are making sure that you know, all the pictures don't get out of line, if you know what I mean. <laughs> like visiting each other's... Yeah, so making sure that when it, when it comes time that all the pictures are back in 
back in their in the right spot by yeah, by yeah, some yeah yeah they're just the lead they're basically basically the leaders of this little community yeah you know kind of like Woody in Toy Story sort of takes care of the rest of them and guides them in certain ways and 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 tells them yeah to like stay in their places or get into places and organizes things in this case it's Arnold Schwarzenegger from Terminator Two. Making sure that the Making poster sure version of Sylvester Stallone isn't isn't visiting the um the poster version of El- uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger in like <laughs> <laughs> they're just hanging out playing cards, uh, but you know you also have to make sure that Sarah Jessica Parker is back in her poster <laughs> from her hit sh- movie. The Hocus Pocus. Stone. <laughs> there you go. All right, I like this. I like this. So the world, the world. We've got the world. We've got the kind of setting. What's the game? What is the game? What are we talking here? You play one of the um, one of the cardboard cutouts, and it's your first day in the um, in the blockbuster. So you're being shown the ropes by by an old, like slightly bent over. Um, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Macaulay Culkin from Home Alone. Oh yeah, oh that'd be cool. You're you're the you're the hip new um, Arnold Schwarzenegger from like Terminator Three, and yep, and you've got in there you know the the Macaulay Culkin from Home Alone Two, that is that's been there for all beaten up a decade, and, and telling you telling you how to do your job, and you know the these are basically. <laughs> It turns out that it's it's all spot the difference sort of sort of puzzles at the start. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so you're given like two copies of the same VHS, and yeah. you're like, "Hey, Bill Murray, get back on the front of that Ghostbusters VHS." <laughs> I can see that you're not there because the Bill Murray over from this one is there, and then Bill Murray on this one makes a bit of a quip. <laughs> hey, Bill Murray from Ghostbusters 2, get back into into, into the Ghostbusters 2 VHS. Get off the Ghostbusters 1. I know that's the better movie, but still. <laughs> you've, got one. you've got Bill Murray from Ghostbusters 2 trying to sneak onto Ghostbusters 1. But I don't want to be in Ghostbusters 2. It wasn't as good. <laughs> oh, my God. That's funny. Um... <laughs> you're like come on I know that I know that that's Bill Murray from Stripes that snuck onto fucking Steve Zizow's whatever <laughs> submarine movie like you're like 30 years age difference <laughs> it's obvious Caddyshack Bill Murray get back <laughs> Caddyshack 2 Bill Murray get back onto Caddyshack 1 <laughs> Mostly it's just Bill Murray. Yeah. Uh, because why wouldn't you if you're doing a thing based around VHS tapes? Okay. <laughs> why, why, do, why do I get the feeling that, um, may he may he rest in peace, but Harold Ramis keeps on telling on Bill Murray? Like- oh, definitely. <laughs> it's like, uh, excuse me, Mr. Schwarzenegger. Venkman has escaped again and he's off flirting with- Michelle Pfeiffer from Deadly Minds. Dangerous Minds. Dangerous Minds. They were deadly as well. <laughs> Do you is have- this a- 
Is this almost a papers please kind of situation? I know. I don't think it's been a while since we've gone to that well, but a papers that- please in a fully realized three D world. <sighs> yeah. Fuck yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, yeah. sometimes what you got to do is you see three video cassettes there and you actually have to look at who starred in each one of these films to to make sure that you're matching up these um these characters to the right. Mm. Mm. To the yeah, right kind of having to you kind of have kind of having to yeah, to look at the the head the, the what do you call it the credits at the top of the thing, it's like, ooh, there's meant to be like, there's meant to be three people on the front of this tape. Yeah. And then you, I mean, it's, then it's you definitely turn got, over one of the other ones and there's someone extra. It's definitely got Bill Murray, Sigourney Weaver, and Dan Aykroyd on this one, but we're Sigourney Weaver. Yeah, exactly. And then, yeah, you turn over the like, Flatliners tape and she's making out with Kiefer Sutherland. It's like, come on. <laughs> Get back on Ghostbusters. And and then, then you look at Cutthroat Island and you see that Gina Davis has, has just disappeared because she doesn't want to be associated with that film anymore. Yeah. And you <laughs> give her a pass because it's Cutthroat Island. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's okay. There can be two Gina Davises on this copy of the la- last kiss, good, long kiss, good night, long kiss, good night. Yeah. One either side of the Samuel, uh, Samuel Davis. Uh, Samuel. <laughs> <laughs> Samuel L. Jackson. Samuel L. Jackson. Sammy know, Davis. The- Sammy Davis Jackson. Yeah, Sammy Junior. Davis Jackson. There we go. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> and he's he's very happy. <laughs> I mean, two Junior Davises. How can you not be? All right. <laughs> I think we'll move on from that. I I love the I love the idea of it, but uh, I think we've exhausted. Well, I was going to say we've exhausted our 80s movie knowledge. We definitely haven't. And definitely not. <laughs> but we've probably exhausted our audience's patience for that. <laughs> and patience for that, for such. So, let's move on. Three, two, one, quick. Enjoyment. Smoking. Ooh. Hmm. I'm seeing this as, as something set back in the days where smoking was cool. Like- and it's still cool. Well- which I said that because I believed it to be true until I said it. And then I realized, wait a sec. It's not really. And even vaping is not at all. No. It's just actually all past. Yeah. We're past that. It's the end of an era. Like, smoking anything is really not cool anymore. Yeah. So, maybe it's it's like it's on that cusp of, like, the 1960s through the 1970s where, you know, smoke, smoking was a occurring in in all the films and then you know it sort of started disappearing in the in those later films mm-hmm. i'm seeing it as, as sort of like an impressionable youth so what was you, what was your word again enjoyment enjoyment yeah okay so a hard-hitting <laughs> game that tackles the controversy around smoking and the selling and and marketing of such is that what you're saying yeah where you play an anthropomorphic cigarette <laughs> Called Smokey. Hi, I'm Captain Nicotine. Okay, so um, I'm Kids, just trying. I'm trying to see. Did you know that smoking <laughs> can make you three times as smart as your fellow five-year-olds? I'm trying to see when um, you'll be the smartest kid in your preschool. <laughs> when they when they changed because it says here the Tobacco Act of 1987 in Victoria. Um, uh-huh. Prohibited the sale of tobacco to any persons under the age of sixteen. Uh huh. So it makes me wonder whether, like before that, anyone could actually 
I know it's illegal, kids, but if you don't buy cigarettes, you're going to kill Nicotini. You don't want that to happen, do you? You're killing me. <laughs> buy cigarettes. <laughs> oh, no, there you go. Ah, it was raised to the age of um, age of 18, but it started in 1903 as under the age of 16. So, kids 16 years and up could buy cigarettes up until 1987. Right. It's Nicotini, the teeny cigarettes. <laughs> oh, God. He'll make you smarter. He'll make you no longer wet your bed. <laughs> At 16. <laughs> New bubblegum flavoured. It's kind of not going anywhere. Let's click again and cut that. No, you're not cutting my songs. And my nicotini character, I worked hard on that. It's my edit anyway. I can leave it in. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's fine. Let's, let's three, two, one, click. Spook. Conference. <laughs> yes. Okay. I love the idea of a ghost conference of some sort. Yeah. Have we done that before? We've done some I other feel like sort we, of Did we have a school? school? Did we have a school? Yes. Where yeah. there were ghouls and then ghosts and they Teaching were Teaching all, all learning- the, like, haunting 101. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, then this is the sequel where they're all now professional. It's all about professional spookers learning all the new technologies and techniques mm-hmm. for hauntings and spookings. So- Spookiness. Just just to go on an aside just for a second. Sure. One of the things that came into my mind the second that you said spook and I had conference sitting there was that scene from The Witches where uh-huh. you've got yep. kids who who were in in this, you know, conference center yep. and you know, the doors are locked and then all the witches, you know, take off their wigs and, you know, they they go from, from basically their their people Disguise forms and turn yeah. into the witches, and then you know they sort of attack the kids. There's something about that that I'm kind of imagining these these ghosts just ripping their their skin suits, like uh, yeah yeah yeah, off. And God Royal Doll fucked up a lot of kids with that book. Yeah, like that's like a fucking masterpiece of horror. It is. It's one of my favourite films as a kid, and I watched it not too long ago, and you know what? It fucking holds up. I don't remember I, the movie. Those, I remember the book. I remember effects. reading about that scene. And I remember just Quentin Blake's pictures from the book as well, and then sort of associating that with, yeah, these, like... Anyway, yes, I like the idea of, okay, we're all safe behind the conference doors. Everyone can, can come out of their skin suits. Can derobe or <laughs> yeah, and so they literally just pull down. Right Doff your humans, like <laughs> Doff your humans, spirits. Oh, okay. So I'm imagining that there's. Do you play like a kid in this game, and and you sort of sneak into this conference center, and you're looking for something, and then all the spooks, you know, they happen to de derobe de. Okay, yes. Is this like a stealth game then? Yeah. Uh, sort of a narrative stealth game where you start as this kid in this in this hotel and your parents or your mom or whatever is there for some boring conference and she's had to take you along 
and because she's like a single mom and and it's good for her career but she couldn't leave you behind so she's like stay in your room and watch tv and don't touch the minibar and you're like fuck this i'm getting out of here and so the the start of it is just you're sneaking around the hotel yeah more as we like to do the more mundane beginning more mundane the better and the more scene setting basically i think yeah this is it We're, we're setting the scene absolutely and so, you're, like, doing a bit of eavesdropping and kind of getting some ideas around, oh, there's this other conference going on in the hotel at the same time, and maybe you just meet, there's just some side character stuff with, like, a newlywed couple who, you know, you see them making out and you start giggling or whatever. <laughs> they definitely die later. Uh, and- No, they were already dead. Oh, they were already they were dead the whole time. Uh, that's a good twist, actually. That you think they've been killed, but it's actually just they're also ghosts. Who well, just I think, happen I think to the be- big twist is when you find out that your mum is actually in this Spook Central conference as well. Like, oh no, I was thinking she was there for a different conference. But okay, we could do that. My mum's a ghost the whole time. That's kind of hard to hide, isn't it? She's just always in a skin suit around her kid. I kind of like I kind of like the idea that. Basically, what happened is she died very early on, and this ghost, you know, she didn't want to leave her leave her child alone, so she just she put the skin suit back on and ca- takes very good care of herself, okay. making sure that I mean, she doesn't actually, you know, that's got some emotional resonance there that we could build upon. Of this mother didn't want to leave her kid uh, so, alone, yeah, and so her, okay, okay, that's pretty good because yeah, it can be about. You can sort of you can give the the you know in the prologue sort of section before you find out about any of the ghost stuff. It's like you know, I'm sorry, little Timmy. <laughs> <sighs> Such a boring name. I was going to go with Timmy or John or Jimmy, but it's like fucking hell. Like how white are we? Anyway, Penny. There we go, Penny. Okay. I'm sorry, little Penny. Like I know that it sucks to be here, but you know my new job's really important and. Blah, blah, blah. And the point is, her new job is, well, she's a fucking ghost. And all she can do is, you know, the, scare the, best, the best jobs for a ghost, uh, you know, scare Haunting people. mansions. Ha- hauntings. Exactly. Okay. And so, Penny is, you know, wandering this hotel and she eventually, yeah, like, I, I mean, she eventually comes across. She sees some weird stuff happen. She swears she sees someone go through a wall. Yeah. Or, like, you see someone that really having trouble trying to pick up their suitcases. <laughs> <laughs> I'm imagining that there's, there's like, a glow coming out from underneath this um, this door and then it just disappears and an old man sort of walks out. Like- Yeah, of, like, the was, toilets. Yeah, it was basically um, the old man putting on his skin suit and, and covering yeah. up the, the glow. Yeah, they have to, like- Yeah, they have to, like, really concentrate and they can just kind of, um, like, create a skin suit around them. Uh, and then they slough that off later when they are done with it. Yeah. It's like one of the ghostly powers. And maybe they can only keep them on for a certain amount of time. So, then I, I, I see the rest of it is basically you're now trying to get- It's quite easy at the very start. You go from your your hotel room down down to the conference. Mm-hmm. The whole game is you getting from the conference center back up to the, um, back up to the hotel room. Oh, you're just trying to get back without being caught. Yeah. And in the meantime, like, finding out all this stuff. 
Yeah, and and so now your your whole thing is you, you're trying to trying to sneak your way back through the hotel, but now there's there's things in your way that you got to go a slightly different way. You got you're making your way through the kitchen. You're making. You know, well, are they hunting you now? Like, is it that you come across their conference and you see this scene of them all pulling off their skin suits and there's blood and viscera everywhere um, before they slowly start to fade away, I think. But it's gory once they, when they're doing it and, and then someone catches sight of you and it's like, oh, my God, like this human child knows our secret. Yeah. You know, we can't, we can't let them yeah, get away. Yeah, and I, I think it's- it's all a big misunderstanding. Like, um, when it, when it gets to the end and they find out that, you know, your mum is actually who she is. Yeah. You know, whether she's high up or whether she's, you know, a, a lowly sort of person. Then she's maybe actually- she was, yeah, maybe this was like the first conference she was going to do a presentation at. She's like made her way high enough that she sort of, she's a keynote speaker. she's got some things. Hmm? A keynote speaker. <laughs> well, maybe not the keynote. I think she's just a speaker. She managed to get a, a, a panel at Spook Conference. Yeah, exactly. SpookCon 2020. Uh, because ghosts can't get fucking COVID, so they're fine. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so I think she's she's got some pull. She's, you know, she's she's a bit of an innovator in the spooking arts and and has some new things to, to tell people and show off. And yeah, they're just trying to... Like, they do want to... They do want to get you so they can talk to you and tell you what's up so you don't spread it around but like they're not being violent they're not actually going to attack you or anything but because you spend the whole game (laughs) yeah because you spend the whole game in stealth as stealth like you never find this out although we do have to figure out like if you if you fail at your stealthiness what happens you faint and um (laughs) I, I think you know, that's one of the things where, you know, you're faint and basically you don't quite understand what goes on. And it's sort of like one of those typical video game things of it needs to start again sort of thing. Like So, you get basically a game over screen, effectively. Yeah. yeah. Kind of like a Dark Souls, you died. And then you can, you start off from the, from the previous um, checkpoint. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's probably fine. It feels a little bit disingenuous just because when you then at the end- reveal like hey they were friendly the whole time it's like well what about all those times i died when they caught me like they could have just told me then (laughs) you had a heart defect and you actually died (laughs) i guess you i guess you could preempt that at the beginning and and talk about how she's got like a poor heart a weak heart and that she needs to stay calm yeah, and so yeah, when a ghost gets to like touches her, she just like freaks out and has a heart attack and dies. Yeah, I do uh, kind of love that. Man. <laughs> it's too many child, too much child death in this episode. <laughs> Baby Three, eggs. Two, and click. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Baby eggs. Twelve-year-olds having heart attacks. I don't know. All right, three and click. It's better than six-year-olds having heart attacks. <laughs> I mean, I guess. Mongrel. Falling. Falling Mongrel. I think, I feel like Mongrel is someone's nickname. Yep. Generally someone who's probably a bit scrappy, a bit raised on the streets kind of situation, that kind of archetype. Yep. Uh, Is this, why are they falling? What are they falling from? 
Is this, do we have full and falling and they're like falling from an aer- airplane for some reason or base jumping from a giant building and why? Is this is this a, you know, falling down sort of situation? Oh, falling down where they go on a rampage? Yeah. And it's a bit too much like toxic, toxic violent masculinity yeah, falling true. down for me. Maybe this is like the game starts at the point where a huge heist has gone wrong and you've just jumped out the window of like a 60 story skyscraper where you were like stealing from some CEO. Yep. And the whole game is spent falling to the ground and it's, I don't know, almost like a, well, we did an endless runner, I think where you were running down a building, but I don't think so. I don't think it's that, but. (laughs) Um, is, Is this like an inception sort of thing where you've, you've incepted someone's brain and you've gone one level deeper and it's, it takes place during this entire fall to the ground. Fall. Or it's just... Yes, or it could just be, like, flashbacks or, like... Yeah, some sort of technology involved where you can slow things down or time travel or... <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm sort of getting a, getting a feel of... Did you see the new... Uh, well, it's not so new now, but the the latest movie based on Judge Dredd, where they had that yes. drug that was that slowed everything right down. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I kind of like the idea that it's sort of based around that sort of thing, that this is almost like on adrenaline, you know, this this whole fall seems to be taking forever. And it's like, oh, how I did ca- I get here? <laughs> I was just thinking, like, what if the entire game was like, yes, you jump out of the window, you take, you're like, oh, fuck. I need to react really quickly, so I'm going to need to take this drug, and then from your perspective, time slows down, and then from that point, it's almost it's almost this interesting ballet, like, precision movement in slow motion of mm-hmm. falling, where you've got tasks as you fall of, like, <laughs> you're going to need to, you know, grab... This person, as they fall, to like give yourself some momentum to move over there. Like it, it's it's this very you are intentionally. It's this very intentional movement through space while gravity has its pull on you. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and so yeah, you you it's it, it might be a like four hour game. I don't know, but. You get checkpoints at every floor or something as you pull off these different things to, like, position yourself in the right place for the next segment or something or, like, pull off the right thing. Or it's, like, maybe there's, like, people shooting at you from windows or helicopters or different things. And so you're doing, like, slow motion shots where you have to coordinate in very specific ways to, like, spin your body and shoot at the same time so that you don't get shot but you take them out. (laughs) <laughs> almost like a super hot kind of deal but it's more you're playing you know or it's like a it's like a, a round of dnd compat like it takes a you know it takes place over six seconds but you're <laughs> planning and doing all this stuff in that time and you have to like pull it off it could even be turn-based it's but it's like <laughs> It's like you've got this amount of action points and moving your arm this much <laughs> takes two action points and, like, rotating your body takes one. <laughs> this is basically this entire action scene played out in slow motion. 
and, and you get about halfway bo- through, yeah. then then does a flashback to, you know, sort of like the seconds leading up to leading up to you jumping out the window. Okay, and it sort of plays a level very similar to what you're currently playing in that you got a split second sort of decision on how on what you're going to do to actually get out of get out of this. Yeah, well, you could use that as, like, backstory, as, like, exposition of what happened and how you got here. And you could do a few of those, like... And if it is turn-based, like, yeah, I kind of like that idea of the sort of tactical aspect of it, where, yeah, you've taken... And it may even be, like, you need to take more of the drug to keep it going, right? Maybe it only lasts, like, 10 seconds or something, or, like, 30 seconds, and so part of your planning might have to be pop another pill. <laughs> because if it runs out, you've like, now time's moving at regular speed and you, you're going to lose so much time just getting that pill back in your mouth to like extend your time. <laughs> so in reality, each high or each pill only lasts six seconds and you've got an 18 second fall. <laughs> so you know you've got to take three pills. <laughs> Something like that. Or maybe, I don't know, maybe extend it a bit longer than that. But Or you, you compress that time down. I don't know. To get the, to get the sort of number of, of rounds or sequences you'd want. But yeah, it's, it's very much this like slow motion ballet of very precisely moving your body based on the amount of time you have. And then when you get to the bottom, it like, you get a, you get a replay of it in real time. <laughs> So you just see your character fucking like backflipping, shooting everyone in split seconds, like moving themselves over there, somehow swinging on a pole to lose some momentum, grab a parachute. I don't know, like however the fuck you get to the ground safely. (laughs) Throw a bad guy into the wall and then, you know, sort of use him to grind, (laughs) grind yourself down to a slight. (laughs) Absolutely. But, but, but. Doing it all was, yeah, you were all doing it in slow motion. Yeah, I don't know. I, I kind of like that. And, and, and in fact, now, now that I've said that about the playback, I like the idea of having a lot of options of how to do it. And almost, uh, almost like, and I've been playing this a little bit recently, which is why it's on my mind, but almost like a bullet storm vibe where you've got these different moves of like, yeah, ride a bad guy down the side of the building because he's going to slow your momentum a little and you can like kick off him to get you know to, to to place yourself somewhere different in this sort of area that you're falling uh and yeah as you go down you've got all these bad guys on like fucking helicopters and shit that are trying to shoot you or i don't know whatever whatever else and poles swinging out and and awnings to bounce off and <laughs> <laughs> flag poles to miss so you don't you know do that comical thing the, of your oh, landing yeah. landing with it between your legs and- <laughs> yeah definitely make it a bit more slapsticky Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, I, like I think we should click again. Yeah. Okay. Heroin, but with an E at the end. Lied. L-I-E-D. Lied. The heroin lied. Okay. So we have a female protagonist, but she's a filthy liar. Or she has uncovered a lie. Or... She lay down somewhere because she was tired. <laughs> no, okay. Uh, look, I think I think we do an okay job of putting women in lead roles 
Mm-hmm. So I think it's okay for us to have one who's a bit of an asshole <laughs> and who lied about something. Was it a simple lie? And now she's she's having to are sort you of- making? Hmm? Oh, I thought I was saying. Are you making a reference that I'm not getting? No. Are you just saying that? Is this a basic lie that she's trying to like? It, it's like it started off as a little white lie, but it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger and yeah, well, out maybe of control. This is, maybe this is like a kind of Roger Wilco Space Quest situation where she's finding herself in over the role head. of a heroine, but she's yeah, she's over her head. She got there because she lied about her abilities and her skills, and she's sort of one of these bumbling heroes. Yeah. I, I do like the idea that she's like a superhero sort of level person, but she lied about what powers she actually had. <laughs> okay, so she does have some powers, but they're, yeah, but like, they're, shitty? They're, they're not shitty. They're just not what she said that she had. Like, she okay. isn't bulletproof. Okay. <laughs> like, she's rather squishy. Okay, and- so how does she- that, That's fine. That's good. I like that. How does she fake being bulletproof? Or she just tells people she's bulletproof, but actually she can just, like, turn televisions on and off with her mind. (laughs) I don't know whether it's turn televisions on and off with her mind. I think maybe she's got some sort of simple mind control or something like that. I do like the idea of a world... You know, it's always fun to dive into a world with, like, where superheroes are everywhere. That she's sort of a second or third tier super like powered person Mm -hmm. who yes has lied their way into like the justice league effectively yeah or at least nearly like she's there to like audition for the justice league and so yeah she's basically she's padded out her resume her powers resume (laughs) yeah the only powers that she has is she can control electricity (laughs) she can control electricity but she's told someone- But only static electricity. <laughs> <laughs> so she can, like, zap you a little bit. She can make your hair stand on end. Balloons, she can make stick to anything. <laughs> <laughs> and she can take out computer systems, I guess. Pretty well. But everyone else believes that she's got, like, super strength and, you know, full-on electricity powers and- and basically is invulnerable. <laughs> I do like, yeah, okay. So she's she's going through this world, faking her way through this through these missions, basically. Yeah. Um, I feel like a point and click kind of deal is maybe the best way to because they're very. It's got to be very comical solutions, right? I feel like there's not oh, really yeah. sy- systems based solutions here. Although it could be amusing to set up a whole system, like almost, I, was, I did start featuring like an XCOM kind of vibe, but oh, you can only I- use your powers when, you're, when your own team can't see you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm almost thinking of, of like an infamous kind of vibe where you're running around the city and doing all this stuff, but it's only when you've been moving for so long that you've actually got access to the powers. <laughs> <laughs> you have to run across enough carpet to build up your, your static electricity... Um, and you get you, know, you get stash. upgrades as as you go, and it's literal. It's basically carpet samples that you can put inside your 
So you build a little like static machine that like just rubs two carpet samples against each other. No, I'm th- I'm you thinking that you actually get your carpet samples and you you put them inside your boots and you put them you know inside the the lycra suit and it's rubbing up against your body as you're running and my and superhero your name stock. is the scuffer. <laughs> <laughs> you can never take your feet off the ground because you have to constantly be rubbing to build the static electricity. <laughs> I think it's a I think it's a great um upgrade sort of path that basically you're going through a carpet you know, um a carpet court sort of place and you find a carpet sample that no one's using. <laughs> I love the idea. <laughs> You go back to like your superhero base, and it's just like all carpeted walls and high shag on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Vander Wall. What? No. What is it? Va- what's the? You've got uh, Vandergraf things everywhere. The you know the static electricity generator sphere thing. Yeah, and I think what I, what has actually happened in the past is. Effectively, you build up enough static electricity, you can create a small shield around you, uh-huh. and that okay. that is impervious to to bullets. Yeah, but, but it lasts for a very short amount of time be- because because it's invisible. You know, you can't actually see the static electricity shield. You know, everyone just thinks, "Oh, wow!" You know, that, that bullet just bounced off you, and it's like, "No, yeah, it did." <laughs> yeah, so all, it's all misunderstandings and like people having seen what they thought happened and. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I like it. I love I love the idea of an infamous style game as well. Like there hasn't been one of those for a little while. Uh yeah, no, I mean not if you don't count Spider-Man, which was obviously the same team, but yes. yeah, it feels very different. It does, it does. I liked Infamous. And the, okay. and the sequels. Let's go one more and then we'll do our final. Yeah. Ooh, covert love, covert love. Oh my god, it's a, it's a. You play Cupid, but it's a stealth game, or a, mm-hmm. or a, like disguise, sort of. I don't know, disguising yourself. Everyone thinks that Cupid is like this cute little cherub sort of thing, but it's like you're actually just a normal, normal lady. You when you were young, and you, you know, of course, Cupid looked. Yeah, you've grown. Like, you can't be a fucking cherub forever. Yeah. So, it turns out that, that Cupid has, like, an awesome bow and arrow and it has, has oh, the- that's um, pretty the, cool. The love arrows, but- But it's like a Hawkeye vibe. <laughs> she She's also um, basically the new, the new green arrow slash Hawkeye. Yeah. That, you know, she not only makes people in love, but she also breaks people's hearts. With oh, arrows. she's just yeah okay. I like that. I like that. That moving it on from just falling in love. She's like she controls all relationships. Yeah, she like surveils people. And it's like no, nah, you two need to break up. Fucking break up arrows and, to the face. And I'm thinking it's, it's sort of like toxic relationships that she's breaking up and oh, and yeah, trying yeah, yeah. trying to get get these um. She's basically going around trying to give people. You know, true love and their one and only and and healthy relationships, but she doesn't just do that by making people fall in love. She does that by making them realize they need to break up. Yeah, that's cool. I love the idea of like a thirty-year-old kick-ass, 
Cupid, who yes, he's like, but instead of a superhero running instead around the of city, the, the typical superhero of tight leather and all this sort of stuff, which is really not workable. I, I'm picturing no. that she's she's literally in tracksuit pants and is feeling really comfortable the whole time and can basically sneak around quite easily and sort of yeah yeah, yeah. Know, I think isn't in that skin tight like, sort of stuff. I think. I think you could you could probably take I mean there must be there must be useful clothing for archery right like even if it's just the gloves or something so I'm sure we could I'm sure we could look that up and find yep. what is what is comfortable and useful for archers uh, as and and then you know hire some awesome artist to make it look fucking cool <laughs> yeah I basically I don't I don't want that typical trope of oh, no of course the Cupid's in a in a skimpy nappy like outfit. As our long term listeners, as our long term listeners know, we uh, we're here for a cool kick ass hero, not a fucking male gazy, you know, sex object. So yes, definitely. Uh, I think that is a really fun, cool character. So again, almost that infamous Spider Man vibe. Like I think you're. Or like Arkham sort of thing, you know, where you're you're feeling like that covert superhero, being able to very easily sneak around buildings, get up close, hide to be able to like eavesdrop on conversations because you're trying to decide, right? Like, should these two people fall in love or should these two people break up? Yep. And you could almost, you don't, it may even be like, like part of the gameplay is making those decisions and you could have some like branching paths or some like callbacks where you find the you know the 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 repercussions of your decisions yeah Uh, to the point that i i can almost see that the idea of using the love arrows is actually you know it's sort of it sets people on the wrong path as in you know if you go through a, a a full run without using the love arrows and you basically you're you're doing the some very basic things to get to get people into into relationships and maybe you've got to you know move some things around in in the world to to get them to actually fall in love it's harder than using just the arrows mm. but it actually la- um ends up being a lasting relationship whereas the arrows so oh, like a quick fix kind of lust based thing yeah that's interesting you could definitely yeah it could be a you know that very quickly you lose your love arrows somehow or they're available all the way through it's just that um you know it it doesn't give you the good ending the good ending is only found through through you know 50% of of the of the couples that you put together are oh, actually get through. stats at the end <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Okay. So it's almost more of a hitman-y vibe then, in a way, where you sort of got these different ways that these things can play out, and you, yeah, you can either like just shoot them with the love arrow. It's like, yep, well, they're going to get together. But if you like surveil the area and sort of listen to some conversations, you realize, oh wait, like this is the actual relationship here that's going to be stronger. You know, they think they're just friends. The lover is not going to work here for whatever reason, but if I, you know, give them a meet cute or a, you know, situation where they're going to, I don't know. Yeah. Get, and you know, affect the relationship in a different way. The, the, the idea that, you know, 
using the love arrow basically sets these two people in motion that may not may not even be their type sort of thing, but yeah. you sort of chemically altered their um their relationship. I mean magically it- altered them at this point, yeah. 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 Yeah, that's interesting. There's definitely some some cool kind of uh ideas that we could explore around love and relationships. Mm-hmm. That could be fun. That's cool. We haven't done a lot of that sort of stuff no. before. So that's but cool. I think we should get our final image. Let's do it. We're gonna move back to click picture for the final game of the show. Trevor, give me that click picture. I copy. I pasting. I Whoa! laughing. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yes. We have a bald man in an eye patch with playing an abacus. the abacus like a violin. Mm-hmm. Tucked under his chin. He's even miming the bow. Okay. So I sort of see this as this is like the ferryman oh. who is ferrying souls over the river. Okay. And, and like the counting abacus, up. Yep. Counting up the souls. And yeah, I, I sort of see see this guy as, as you know, kind of a, um, a creepy, a creepy, um, sort of guy who's, who's keeping a tally. Now, I know we've gone there already this episode to a certain degree. Yeah. But I do like the idea of a Papers, Please, Yes game where you mm-hmm. play the effectively Sharon. Yep. Ferrying people across the River Styx. Yes. But you have to make sure that, like, yeah, they're giving you the- they have the money, they are legitimately dead, or, like, there's different things where it's like, no, you're not allowed to come across here, or- and, and and then also I think there's a segment where you are actually bringing them across and you're kind of getting some exposition maybe about the character or you're having to like, I don't know, maybe there's, maybe there may be different aspects where it's not just matching up IDs and things, but. Yeah. I'm, I'm almost wondering, you know, how big is this ferry that you're, that you're taking people across the river sticks in? Like any depictions that I've, I've ever seen are like a two like or a little three, rowboat. three yeah. person rowboat. How long does this trip take? And and are these people waiting for Sharon to take him all the way across and then come back on his own? <laughs> yeah, like, how long is the queue? <laughs> yeah. Or is this just one of, like, 50 Sharons? Like, well, this yeah, is- has he delegated? Has he, has he industrialised here? Has he expanded? Is he now recruiting people? And you play a lowly, a low-level Sharon. Yeah. Making your way up through- Through the ranks. You know, sticks incorporated, and the idea is that you're you're actually, you know, you've noticed that the original Sharon uses a um a violin slash abacus to to count the number of souls that have that have gone across on each day, sort of thing, and so you you're looking at how can you maximise your numbers to um to get up. Yeah, well, I, I don't know that we need to lean too much into the violin stuff. I think the abacus is obviously useful. We could bring in the violin almost as a separate thing if we wanted, mm-hmm. um, where maybe Sharon like plays violin to to fucking inspire people or something. But yes, I like the idea of having this old fashioned abacus that you have to like tick people off on as they go past. Um, you're almost weighing up their souls as well, like 
you you're putting points based on based on the story that they're they're, they're sort of telling. Yeah, well, and it's also maybe do they to see whether go, they're worthy? Do they have? Because I'm just trying to figure out. Like, I don't think Sharon generally like judges people particularly, but I wonder if that they they want to go or they deserve to go or like or they need to go to different places in the underworld or something. Um, and so you're kind of having to sort them in a sense. Yeah, uh, and there are different to the different layers of hell slash heaven or whatever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so you're having to... There are different tells or different techniques or different things you need to look out for. It's like, oh, like, you need to go to level three because you are a musician or something. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I know this is a bit of an aside, but I'm just picturing every time that we go back to see Sharon, the eye patch is on the other eye. So it just keeps on switching. And, yeah. and the fact that you start wondering is does Sharon actually really need the eye patch, or is this just a fashion statement? <laughs> yeah, totally. Well, I'm kind of pitching this as a semi-comedic game, right? Like, I don't think it's super serious. Yeah, um, and so um, yeah, you can play very, with those very sorts of Doctor things. Who in the fact that he, he goes, you know, bow ties are cool, and um, you know, oh yeah, wearing, wearing, wearing a patch. white shirt over over a black long sleeve shirt. You know, that's yeah, that's and not just a black long sleeve shirt, but like. A loose sleeved, kind of puffy long, like I don't know how to, how to describe that, but like elastic at the wrist, kind of puffy thing. It's very interesting. With with a, with a short sleeve business shirt is just unusual. Yeah, and a bow tie, like yeah, yeah, he's a character. But um, no, I, I I like that idea of, and then yeah, you get to work your way up the ranks a bit, and then maybe maybe you can even switch the gameplay up to a point where. You know, you get promoted and now you're a supervisor and you're managing, like, four low-level Sharons. Yeah. Or, or like, Sticks, Stixians or, I don't know, whatever you want to call them. Well, wouldn't it be interesting if it turns out that, like, all the Sharons are actually clones of the original Sharon? Like, um, originally, um, it was a job for one for one Sharon and there just weren't that many people on Earth. But as, as like, the human race has actually got larger and larger and larger, he needed to do something. There was no, there was no other soul that he could actually use. So, mm. he, he split, split himself into, into another clone and then another clone. And basically, it's, it turns out that Sharon is just really, really old and is sort of- Oh, so all the different Sharons are, like, different age. Like, so they look different and they've got different styles because they've diverged from the original Sharon and, yeah. and are, like, younger. Yeah. But, okay, yeah, that's cool. That's yeah. good. Because I think then, you know, it's sort of as a new Sharon turns up and there's a new style that sort of occurs, a change happens to the original Sharon in the fact that he now, you know, has- uh, a wallet on a chain, and now now he also has sunglasses on top of his head, and all this sort of stuff. Like he just keeps on adding all these all these styles. He's wearing a big floppy hat, oh my <laughs> and it's God. like you start realizing that basically Sharon is taking all the personas of his of his clones, yeah, because or his sub Sharons, yeah. It sort of goes back up, and I guess it depends how many there are, but yeah. Yeah, That's I'm, I'm thinking idea. there's like twelve to start off with, and then there then there ends up being like each one of the twelve has has another four underneath it. So oh they're God, 
Yeah. But you're looking at like 48. <laughs> That's a lot of different aspects for the original Sharon to take, but maybe yeah. you can use that as a story thing. <laughs> getting overloaded by all this personality. Uh, divergent. Divergence. Yeah. And, and, you know, the whole abacus thing that you've noticed is actually your own sort of thing. You know, you're the only one who has an abacus. Oh, you're the only one who uses an abacus. Okay. Yeah. You thought that you were using it because Sharon had one, but Sharon had one because- Because you you were using it. Because you like the idea of keeping track. Okay. And so, is this something that just kind of comes out over time? Yeah. Yeah. As you play. That's cool. I like the the general- Yeah, I like the general- the general gist of of having to like you know way up, your, your way next up person souls, shows way up, up and you you get a like list of deeds or something like significant deeds and you have to decide you know like does that way up you know to a certain point like and again maybe it's like if they've murdered anybody then you know they definitely have to go to this level but if they've also you know done this sort of penance then they go up a little, like you sort of have to know some of the rules and start learning these rules over time yeah where you can just get to the point of like okay scan this list it's like a plus one plus one minus one plus one sort of situation and you give them some tools to like click left or right to you know set them as to mark them or something and then it's like okay uh, level six of hell (laughs) of the underworld so do they each have a printout of of their deeds that they hand to you so it's like a um Sort of like a receipt that comes out of out of like a coals or something like that. <laughs> it's it's on this big long long paper that you got to sort of go through. It's almost like a scroll, but it's um it's that quick printing yeah. paper. Yeah, it's like the thermal paper. Um, yeah, yeah. Either either like they come to you and it prints out of your machine as they as it scans them, or they like you see them all getting the scan out a scan and and print out at the previous station, and then they come to you for judgment or whatever. <laughs> hand it over and i like the you- idea that occasionally they swap with someone else yeah because i was going to say that gives the opportunity for some sort of shiftiness that you also have to watch out for yeah and then you've got to actually check it against the against the computer screen but the problem with the computer screen is it only shows like one or two things at a time whereas the what's yeah, actually on the or like an could ID actually be more- thing, like <laughs> a situation where you're like matching ids or matching um descriptions or something yeah where, where like, the, yeah, the computer has the description of them in words. Obviously, they're standing in front of you, but then the receipt has, you know, these items and an, and an ID <laughs> or something, and uh, you have to match it up to, and to make sure. And there's a photo sure. stapled in the corner. <laughs> yeah, but it's shitty quality and... <laughs> Dot <yeah>. matrix printer. <laughs> the Game Boy printer. Oh, God. Even worse. Okay. I think that'll do, do us for tonight. Yeah. So, thank you for joining us this week on BitStorm. If you want to find us online, you can go to podchaser.com slash BitStorm. All of our previous episodes are there. We're coming up on number 200. It's getting real close. And uh, you, can, you can go back, listen to all those hundreds of game designs. Hundreds. And you can also check out our appearances on other podcasts if you go through to our creative profiles. We're also part of the 8-Bit Collective, and this is a group of podcasts uh, all together, networked, you could say, together. Uh, and we all help each other out and enjoy each other's work and our friends and go check out those podcasts, 8 it. 
And we'd also like it if you could check out the Australasian Gaming Podcast Network. There are some big things in the works. So be on the lookout. You, you want to be part of this. So go look for the Australasian Gaming Podcast Network on Facebook or at AGP Network on Twitter. And finally, we'd like to thank Kuridas for the use of the song Mount Defiance off of the album Containment Failure. That's right. So thank you again for joining us this week on Bitstorm. I'm Ben Slinger. I'm Trevor Scott. What an excellent episode.